0: Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin churchorg And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. You know, the reason we're here today is that almost 2,000 years ago, something significant happened in Jerusalem, and that Jesus had been teaching preaching that he was the son of God, that he was the I am, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am, over and over again. John tells us he's making these I am claims and his accusers knew that he was claiming to be the Messiah. And he told his disciples, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to rise three days later. The thing is, his disciples, didn't really believe that. Because they were huddled up in a room somewhere. And when the two ladies go to the tomb and they come back and they're like, he's gone. He's alive. They're like, mm, I don't think so. And they run back for themselves. Even they were surprised that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. Is that he rose from the grave three days later. And that's why we're here today. Jesus is fully alive. Alive. Amen. Amen. That is what we're celebrating today. He's alive. And what I want us to do this morning is to look at some of his followers right after he rose from the dead. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. And uh, the, this, uh, these next couple weeks, we're just calling it fully alive. And here's my, uh, the burden on my heart is that you and I were designed by God to live a fully alive life life That's what he intended for us, that's what he made us for, it's what he had in mind when he creates man and woman in a garden called Eden, and he places them there, and he's communing with them, and the resurrection is the key for us to live fully alive in Jesus, and we uh, every Easter talk about the resurrection, we talk about what it means for us, we talk about how it secures for us the promise of eternal life, that because he lives, I will live. Like, whenever I, this, this physical body dies, I am transitioning from here to there. I, it's, it's, it's a sure thing, because Jesus is alive. It also means that everything that Jesus said is true, because he rose from the dead. Right? It, it means so much for us, but today, what I want to talk about, what I want to make a case for, is resurrection realism, resurrection realism i'll explain that in just a minute but i want to look at acts chapter four i have it on the screen for you You can read along with me we're going to read verses one through 12 and here's what it says while they were speaking to the people by the way i'll give you backstory peter and john have gone to the temple for a regular time of prayer on the way to the temple. There is a man who has been lame since birth. He was born this way, never, ever walked. Later, we learned that he was about 40 years old, okay? In that time period, he's nearing the end of a, of a grown adult's lifespan. Like, we, we kind of expect, you know, 80, maybe 90 years. That would be awesome, right? Maybe more. But for them, 40 was like, oh, he's getting up there, okay? Some of your kids, look at you, parents, and they're like, oh, 40s, man, you're getting up there, right? And that's how they thought. So this man is sitting there. He's been brought there by some people. And he sees these guys, Peter and John, walk up. And he asks them for some money. And they said, here's the bummer for us Christians. Silver or gold, I do not have. Oh, But what I do have, I give to you. Be healed in Jesus' name. And it says they lift the man up. And as they're, this is fake. As they're lifting him, his legs become strong. And he starts walking. And then he's leaping. And then he's praising God. And as you can imagine, a whole crowd of people that are on the way to the temple, which was the center of life, the center of their society, on the day of prayer. They're gathering around and they're telling them what had happened. And here's where we are. It says... While they were speaking to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. By the way, the number of the men, so they're kind of counting heads of houses, households. So 5,000 households. That's a lot of people are now believing in Jesus. Verse 5. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. This is God's word. So we have this this encounter with the leaders of the Jewish people, and they've arrested these guys, and they're questioning them, and they give this testimony. And I just want you to consider with me the unfolding of events right after the resurrection. So these guys had been with the resurrected Jesus for about 40 days or so. Then Jesus ascends to the Father. He tells them, I want you to go wait in the city until power comes from on high, and then you're gonna go be my witnesses, which you guys know was the day of Pentecost. It was Acts chapter two, where the Spirit comes, the tongues of fire appear on their heads. They begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability, and many people come to Christ. So all this is just like resurrection, among these disciples. And I just was thinking about the unfolding of events. And I heard a phrase the other day, and it's one of those phrases that I I can't remember who said it, but I'll never forget the phrase. And here's what the person said. There are no pessimists in heaven. The, the, The point was... There's no body, there's no angelic being standing in the glory of God right now looking down at the problems that we're facing on earth thinking, that might be too big for the big guy, right? There's nobody thinking that, right? There are no pessimists in heaven. Now, I was just curious if we have any pessimists in the room today. See, there are no pessimists in heaven, but there might be a few on earth, okay? And here's why they're not such a bad thing. So I tend to be more of an optimist. An optimist is somebody who has an inclination to put the most favorable construction upon actions and events to anticipate the best possible outcome. We are glass half full people. The whole world falls apart and we're like, well, isn't that great how that worked out over there? And look, it's all great in the end, right? But here's the thing, if you're an optimist like me, We can be prone to naivety. We often throw caution to the wind. And we sometimes don't dip down deep enough into suffering to let it deepen us. Now, years ago, in uh, I think it was the very, very early 2000s, some of you were alive then, and you remember, you remember that we all had email accounts, but we rarely used them. Do y'all, does anyone remember those days? Anyone, yeah? You had one because, well, you gotta have one. Everyone has an email account, but then you never checked it. People say, well, I sent you an email. you are like, I never checked that. Just call me, right? That's how we used to do it. Now, do, please don't call me. Send me an email, right? We've changed our ways, but back then, I had an email address that I barely ever used, and I got this email one day from a guy over in Ethiopia, and this guy, he said, "Greetings, dear brother in Christ. We are going through the great hardship here. We really need your assistance. We need a hundred thousand dollars." Well, I had, you know, I I was a little bit concerned about this guy. He's telling me about all the problems they were having, and I. I went to a meeting with some other friends there, and I said, you know, we're talking about, you know, how things were going in the week, and I was like, oh, I'm good. But I got this email, so strange. This guy reached out to me from Ethiopia, and they they need all this money because they're having all these problems. And thank God for pessimists, okay? Because one of my less optimistic friends was like, that's a total scam, don't ever respond to that. I was like, thank you. Thank you. See, in my optimism, thinking the best of every situation, I didn't, I wasn't aware, I was naive. See, if you're an optimist like me, we can be prone to foolishness or folly. But if you're a pessimist, you have an inclination to emphasize adverse aspects, conditions, or possibilities to expect the worst possible outcome. You are a glass half-empty kind of person. And here's the thing. If you're an optimist, you ignore the information that that doesn't quite fit with your rosier outlook. And if you're a pessimist, you ignore the information that doesn't quite fit with your gloomier outlook. Okay. By the way, we need each other. (laughs) If you're a pessimist, you might be prone to fatalism. Right, the, 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 the pessimist doesn't just rain on the parade, they might cancel the parade because what's the point? It's gonna be a disaster anyway, right? Okay? <laughs> and I'm just curious, like, where are you on the spectrum? Like, if, if there's a spectrum of, like, optimism and pessimism, and, and I know there's degrees, but, like, where are you on that spectrum? If you're a generally optimistic person, there's a reality that um, you've faced some suffering. You've you've faced hardship. Maybe you've been betrayed enough times that you're you're like a jaded optimist. You you might be even cynical, meaning that you think that everyone's out for themselves and don't trust anyone. Or, Or you might even be Skeptical, meaning uh, like how can we even know the truth? So we're, we should be suspicious of all beliefs and all of those kinds. You, you might be skeptical because all of us, no matter how we're naturally inclined, we face so many things in our lives that we can become blah, bored, hopeless, um, Jaded, jaded. And I want to make a case today for a different way. It's a realism that comes from the resurrection. Here's the question. How can we avoid fatalism in foolishness? How can we be wise and yet hopeful? And what does the resurrection have to do with any of that? Well, realism is this, concern for fact or reality. That's what a realist is. You're concerned about facts and reality. And we worship a really alive Jesus Christ. It is a fact. Jesus has risen from the dead. This resurrection realism holds the reality of sin and suffering and sadness and disappointment with the reality of a resurrected Jesus who will ultimately rule all things. The risen king is king. And at the end of this whole story, he's king. And he's on the throne. And this, this equips us in a different way in the day to day of our lives to have a resurrection mentality, a resurrection realism about our life. Um, we, we hear it in the words of Paul. Paul said this about being an apostle He said, We are pressed, but we're not crushed. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because Jesus is fully alive, right? He's alive. He's realistically seeing like, hey, it's not that everything is hunky-dory and rosy all the time. We're going through some hard stuff but we're not destroyed by it because Jesus is alive. He's got this mentality, this resurrection realism that comes out in his words and I see it in this passage. I see it in this passage. Here's the first point that I want us to see today. Today is pregnant with possibility because the resurrection proves that anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. We, we, sometimes we say that in the negative. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, I know you're like, that's an optimist word. That's an optimistic statement, right? Right. Nothing is impossible with God. By the way, it's in the Bible. It's a verse. It's the word of God that we can build our lives on. And it's proven by the fact that Jesus said he was going to suffer and be crucified and raised again and then he did it which is impossible unless he truly is the son of the most high God now the pessimists are like I'm not sure about any of that stuff I'm questioning all of it but here's the thing it's realistic now in our passage a routine walk to the temple okay a regular day for these guys, a routine walk to the temple is transformed into a showcase for resurrection power. When's the last time that you saw a person in a wheelchair and thought, maybe they can walk today? Probably not very recently. But somehow the people who had been in the inner circle of Jesus, who had just spent 40 days with the resurrected Messiah, all of a sudden, they're seeing everything a little bit differently and they're walking to a temple, and a man asks for money. They don't have any money, but they do know that they have something else. They've seen Jesus heal. They've been used by Jesus to heal while he was on the earth. And somehow, this resurrection reality has changed their mind, where they're thinking, this guy could really walk today. Like, let's just pray for him. And this man gets up, and he's healed that day. Because anything is possible with God. Later, Peter says, it's not by us, it's by Jesus, that this man is standing before you healthy, right? It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. And if you follow the trail of the logic backwards, we see that beginning with Jesus doing the impossible and raising from the dead, right? That if he can do that, then whatever you're facing in your life is not impossible. You, some of you have been praying for someone for so long that you've literally, you pray, but it's kinda like, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. Like, in reality, like I want it to happen. I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. Here's what I wanna remind you. The resurrection says nothing is impossible with God. And if you're praying that prayer, I just want to say, would you keep praying the prayer? And would you just let this, this mentality shift inside of you that says, God, if you can raise Jesus from the dead, then you can handle whatever it is I'm facing right now. You can handle my broken relationship. You can handle my marriage. You can handle my finances. You can handle my kids. You can handle all the things that I'm facing right now, Jesus, because if you can raise from the dead, anything is possible with you. It's the first thing. The second thing is this. Today is pregnant with possibility because the resurrection paved the way for sacred surprises. It paved the way for sacred surprises. I, uh, I, I, I started listening to this podcast called The Art of Teaching. It's wonderful. John Tyson is a pastor in New York that I have great respect for. And on the podcast, he, he said this, and I, and I think I have this on a slide for you. It says, I try to cultivate a sense of wonder. Wonder is very hard to articulate philosophically. It's a combination of discovery and surprise. Wonder is that sort of hopeful surprise, that disruptive delight that breaks into your life. There are moments when we have a sense of wonder, but I'm trying to cultivate wonder. I'm trying to open myself to surprise interactions with God. Open myself to beauty. Open myself to the gift of other people. I have a receptive posture to things. I believe that if you're open in this way that you begin to see things differently. And I was listening to his words and I was thinking about the resurrection, like the power of Jesus being fully alive. It's like, if Jesus can do that, right, it paves the way for the living God to step into my life at just the right moment, just right when I need him. Right when you get into the car and then you hear that song, and then before you know it, you're just in prayer, you're just in worship, and you're like, I don't know what just happened, but like Jesus came down into my car, and I'm like, I'm okay now. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. It's a sacred surprise. Like when you when you open your Bible, is there a sense that like maybe today Jesus is going to speak to me? Maybe. Maybe God has a word in here that's just like gonna be right on target for today. It's it's like you're opening yourself. When you see somebody, instead of having to like, oh, instead of if we're like, you know what? Maybe there's something in this interaction today that God has for me. Just like Peter and John walking to the temple and seeing a guy and they could have said, Mm, man, I hate it when people ask me for money. But instead they said, maybe God wants to do something right now. They were open to the sacred surprise of God. The resurrection has paved the way for these surprise interactions. (laughs) They have a surprise encounter with a 40-year-old beggar. The beggar has a surprise encounter with the resurrection power of Jesus. The crowd has a surprise witness to a great miracle, which led to a surprise preaching opportunity for Peter and John, and also a surprising arrest. That was kind of a bummer. But not before, surprisingly, 5,000 households believe in Jesus, which also led to another surprise opportunity to preach to Jewish leaders and the high priest and to tell them, surprise, you were unwilling accomplices to the Incredible plane of God, which led to their release and a surprise prayer meeting. In which, surprisingly, the ground shook and the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to proclaim the Word of God boldly. Which, can you believe, led to more people believing in Jesus and the resurrection power? <laughs> And what's so befuddling to us Western Americans is that none of it was planned, orchestrated, uh, coordinated, contrived, or schemed by man. They were open to the power of God, the resurrection power of Jesus alive in them, walking to the temple one day. It's all sacred surprise. You know, this year we saw a pretty phenomenal thing On February 8th there was a very lackluster chapel service at a small university that most of us had never ever heard of before called Asbury University. The preacher didn't really prepare very well for the sermon. That's what he says after the fact. I listened to the message. It was just kind of, yeah. But some students stayed, maybe about 10 or 12 of them, and they just prayed. And they just begin to confess their sins to each other. And all of a sudden, all the other students are are hearing, they're getting text messages, seeing on social media, hey, students are still praying right now. And they all start coming back, and they all begin to join in. And then all of a sudden, they begin to sing songs of worship together. And they begin to pray. And it's like for, was it two solid weeks, there was 24-7 unceasing worship and prayer for a small university of maybe a 1,000 students had people like hundreds of thousands of people that flew across the globe to come and worship at a school that we've never ever heard of before. And it was so surprising to all of us. And what I, what I think it did for many of us who have been following this is that all of us were like, something else is possible now. Something else is possible now. If Jesus can do that there, what could he do here? We need to open ourselves to the sacred surprise of the Most High God Revival is possible because Jesus is alive and full of life for us. So, today's pregnant with possibility because the resurrection proves that anything is possible with God. And the resurrection paved the way for sacred surprises. But lastly, I just want you to consider this with me. Today is pregnant with possibility because the resurrection reveals the unstoppable plan of God. And I love this part of the story, the unstoppable plan of God. In verse 10 of chapter 4, Peter says this, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. And I just imagined him kind of like, you know, he's full of this the spirit and boldness and he's like, at, like Billy Graham came out of him, right? It's just like, ah, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. And I love that passage because he says this look you intended to snuff him out but god raised him up you were an unwilling accomplice to god's plan have you ever been an unwilling accomplice before maybe you got into some trouble maybe your buddies were like hey man come over here with us let's do this real quick and all of a sudden you're like Now I'm getting busted with you guys, right? You were an unwilling accomplice. Well, that's what he's saying. He's like, you were an unwilling accomplice to the plan of God. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And what you didn't even know is that you're fulfilling all the prophecy from the Old Testament right now because God has had an unstoppable plan from the very beginning, and we're all caught up into it. Peter and John were unknowing accomplices to the plan of God by praying for a lame man. Not only did he walk, but many heard the gospel, which by the way was God's plan for their life on that day to hear the gospel and to believe and to see somebody be healed. They didn't know it. They were just open to the sacred surprise of God. It was the unstoppable plan of God that Peter and John would testify to these Jewish leaders. Right, and here's the thing: If you're a pessimist, you're kind of like, I, yeah, sure. There's a there's a great plan of God. I doubt it has anything to do with me. Right? It, you, you doubt that any great plan of God would ever touch your life. But the optimist might dismiss the plan of God because it came with an arrest and some other things that weren't so fun. <laughs> but the resurrection realist. Can recognize today is pregnant with possibility because there's this mysterious plan of God that I don't even fully understand it's above my pay grade but God's working it out and he's weaving it into our lives using both the good and the bad yeah. you just never know you just never know when God's gonna answer that prayer you, you never know when he's gonna flip the script. You never know when he's gonna heal a sick person. You never know when he's gonna save a lost person. You never know when he's gonna turn that situation completely around. You never know. Today could be the day. <laughs> so where are you on the spectrum today? Do you find yourself jaded? Do you find yourself hopeless? Do you find yourself feeling maybe you haven't even verbalized, but you're just kinda of like, what is the point? I just want to encourage you that God has an incredible plan, that Jesus is alive, and that He wants to sweep you right up into what He's doing. It's it's a reality that we get to walk into. Are you prone to be fatalistic or foolish? today I just want to call us to this simple thing. Would you let the resurrection change your perception of what is possible in your life? Is your faith fully alive with the wonder of the resurrected Jesus? Are you marked by a godly sense of wonder? Like I heard a pastor say he would wake up every morning. This guy led one of the largest churches in the world. I want to say it's like hundreds of thousands of members. And he said, I just wake up every morning and I say, Holy Spirit, what are we doing today? And I loved that. I was like, just a sense of wonder. It's like, Jesus is alive. Anything is possible. God, what are we doing today? There's a wonder that comes into our life because of the resurrection I want to close with this. Verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people. That means all people, all human beings, no matter how they grew up, no matter where they're from, no matter how they were raised, no matter what they were taught to believe or not to believe. There is one name under heaven given to all of those people by which we must be saved. Perhaps today, what you thought was impossible is suddenly possible. You never thought that God's unstoppable plan would sweep you up into his kingdom, but the sacred surprise of this moment is that the Holy Spirit may be revealing Jesus to your heart. Maybe you've rejected Jesus. Maybe you've doubted Jesus. Maybe you've dismissed Jesus. Or maybe you've just been holding yourself back from him, unwilling to go all in. The reality of our need for Jesus, the reality of your need for Jesus, is more fatalistic than the most extreme pessimist could ever fathom. But, the reality of his goodness is more glorious than the most extreme optimist could ever fathom. Your need for him is more dire than you could ever imagine that we all are going to pass from this life to the next. And we're going to walk into one of two realities, heaven or hell. It's dire, but the goodness and the love and the mercy of God is so Opulent, so lavish, so incredible that he did that over there, going to the cross for you. And so in the resurrection, we see the true reality, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who meets us at our lowest place at the cross so that he can lift us with resurrection power to the highest place with him. So, today, if you're in that place of like, me and Jesus are not okay, I don't, I haven't believed, I have not trusted him, I've been withholding myself from him, I have turned away from him. Wherever you are, I want to say today is the day for you to come back to Jesus, maybe for the very, very first time. Today's your day to lay aside your doubt and your dismissal and to. As the scripture says, to turn your life over to him and to believe. That's what it says. Repent and believe. Turn yourself over to him. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin churchorg